0: Welcome to Backroom Beauty Talks. My name is Misty Jane, and I am a money coach for hairstylists. I help self-motivated stylists get their financial shit together, creating healthy relationships with money, opening up more options for the future, and eliminating that paycheck-to-paycheck life. I created Backroom Beauty Talks because I wanted to bring real, raw, and unedited conversations to you, uplifting the beauty industry one stylist at a time. Hello there, friends. I don't know about you guys, but where I live, the weather is starting to get nice and I have just been in the best mood. So today I am talking with Kelly. She is Scissors Makes Sense on Instagram. She is a salon owner. She owns 1213 Hair Studio in Richmond, Virginia. She is also a coach. She helps other salon owners create systems and just overall like empowerment when it comes to helping salon owners thrive. I love this conversation because Kelly is one of those salon owners that provide amazing benefits for her commission stylist. I don't know about you, but this is something that you do not hear very often. I have only worked in one salon in my 17 years that offered one week paid vacation and it was like the best benefit ever. So I have a special place in my heart for salon owners like Kelly, and I think that everyone listening to this can benefit so much from this conversation. Um, If you need help from her, she offers one-on-one coaching currently. You'll hear all about it in the podcast, but if you are a salon owner and you are looking to kind of go out of the box and create um, the salon that you always wanted when you were a stylist, Kelly is your person. Please enjoy. Hello, Kelly. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm super excited to talk to you. And I'm super excited to find out that you are not far away from me
1: because
0: I feel like everyone I talk to is like in different parts of the U.S. or shoot the world sometimes. And it's like, oh, I can drive and have lunch with you. (laughs) We should do that. Yeah. So Kelly, (laughs) tell the listeners um, who you are, where you're from and what you do.
1: Yeah. I'm Kelly Kane and I live in Richmond, Virginia, and I own a small salon. Um, We've got nine stylists currently, and we've been open for about 12 years. And now um, after running the salon successfully, I've started shifting into doing coaching for owners who want to do exactly what
0: I've done. Awesome. So 12 years, huh? Yes. Talk to me about the changes that you have seen in the industry as an owner for 12 years. Oh
1: my gosh. Um,
0: (laughs) You know, it's funny. I think that everything
1: I ever knew has changed because we started in what looked like this perfect little box of this is how a hair salon is. And now we've got programs out there, you know, like Destroy the Hairdresser who are telling you how to break all that down and do it differently and modernize it. And that's kind of what I've done for my own salon is I started learning from other industries instead of looking at, well, this is just the way the hair world does it. I started looking at, you know, well, if corporate does it this way, why can't we? And if MLMs do it this way, why can't we? Like, why can't we take these principles within our own business and break it down? Um, And so I think you're seeing a lot more freedom from salon owners and how they're running their own business.
0: Well, and I think stylists want that too, right? Like, I think... the whole industry itself is shifting from this, like, um, you know, work a million hours and never rest and don't make any money. And, you know, because I feel like when I started, because I was behind the chair for 17 years, that's how it was. Like, you're a hairstylist because you want freedom, but that doesn't mean that you're going to make a lot of money, like, you know, in your head. And then you get into the industry and you're like, oh, wait a second. Like, you actually can do what you want and make good money doing it weird. (laughs) Like, So I think it's awesome as an owner. Are you a commission salon? We are. Okay. Yeah. So that's awesome because um, you do benefits, right? We do. Yeah. So the first salon I ever worked at, well, the one I was at for a long period of time, um, they gave a week vacation Mm -hmm. and I never had that again after leaving that salon. And it was, it was awesome. Mm -hmm. Why do you think salon owners don't think that's an option?
1: Well, I think the biggest thing is, and the misconception on hair salons is that the profit on them can be just pennies on the dollars. So it's understanding how to work the revenue that's coming in to benefit your staff so that they're continuously growing, but also to, you know, have this business that can have all of the other things that other industries have. Um, but I think just at the core of it, they think they can't afford it. Right.
0: Mm Money. Money. Mm -hmm. (laughs) why do you think they can't afford it do you think it's a management problem do you think it's a charging problem like what what do you think why do you think people can't uh, owners can't afford it
1: I mean i think it's all of the above i think they don't you know they don't start with a strong pricing guideline which then leads to um, not having good structure in their compensation plan and how their staff are going to grow which then you know often leads to um, i find a lot of salon owners expense track but they don't really budget and that's a big difference that's something that i had to learn along the way Um, and so it kind of just one connects to the other And it just ends up, you know, little by little chipping away at the profit on the revenue.
0: Yeah. And for those listening, because that's something I talk about with just stylists Mm -hmm. in general is tracking and budgeting are two very different things. Tracking is just looking at what's going on where budgeting is actually making a plan ahead of time before you even make it. So that's super, super important. I mean, little things like that, I think, um, can change your mindset as well. So do you feel like your stylists stay longer? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And I had kind of a transition period halfway in where I pretty much lost my entire team for life choices, not necessarily because they were unhappy, but, you know, there was one having a baby, one that already had children, was having a hard time balancing, one that was moving, you know, it was all these life changes all at once. And, um, once I started really understanding those systems and budgets and numbers and pricing and all, and how it works together, um, I was able to put the benefits in place. And I think my longest one now is eight years, um, and going strong. So most of my stylists have been there for five plus years, which in our industry is,
0: is big. It is, especially with the rise of independent stylists. Do you, um, do you move to booth rental or you stay commissioned? We stay commissioned solely. Yeah. I think that's awesome too, because I mean, benefits are a huge thing. Yeah. You know, um, when I went out on my own, my husband had the benefits, so it wasn't something I had to think about. Um, but I think about like single stylists and stuff like that. Like that's a huge expense. Huge it is. expense. I mean, help. Do you provide health insurance as well? I do. Yeah. Look at you. I want to come work at your salon. How <laughs> are <laughs> <I'll hire> you? <laughs> So how long would you say um, did it take? Because I'm assuming you didn't start these things right away when you first opened.
1: Yeah, no. Um, I don't even know. I mean, you know, I've always been someone who's kind of like accomplished something and then thought, okay, well, I've done that. So what's the next thing? So I've never had this big idea of something that i was working towards it's just always i did one thing so i'm going to do the next and that's kind of how the benefits have worked too you know i reached i didn't even start with a receptionist at my salon so first and foremost it was just building that um capital that you could do things like that and and so then it started with a little bit of paid vacation time which we did at minimum wage for 10 hours you know of course that's increased over the years too Um, so it's just been slowly building the foundations in the business, you know, one at a time. So I think it just kind of evolved over the years versus being able to pinpoint, like at my fourth year, I implemented these things.
0: Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Do you think that, um, that I know that in one of the posts that you made recently, um, about the things that you offer your stylists, Mm -hmm. um, that you said not everyone's motivated by money. Yeah. Yeah what would you say out of all the benefits, what would you say they're most excited about the the paid vacation?
1: (laughs) Actually, you know, for my staff, it was health insurance. That was really important to them because getting it on their own was way more expensive. And then as a company, you know, I have to match half of the lowest plan. So they're getting half of it paid. It also gives me um, kind of another fun incentive for them where I can, you know, run contests and things and pay off their, their part, their portion of their insurance as kind of another benefit, um, that they can earn. So it's really hard to find things. Sometimes I do motivate and, you know, paying hundred percent
0: of someone's health insurance is a big one. It is because I really think people don't realize how expensive health insurance is. It's ridiculous. It's crazy. <laughs> I remember, um, when my husband, we were doing our taxes one time and I was like, I looked at him, I said, do you know, do you know how much our health insurance is? Cause I'm looking at his W2 and like, and he's like, I don't know, like, you know, a couple hundred a month. I'm like, no, it's like, I think it was like 25,000 a year or something for the three of us. And he's like, no, it's not, that's not right. And I was like, no, that's, that's correct. (laughs) Before
1: I had the company plan, you know, I have a son before I had the company plan, it was 800 plus for just the two of us.
0: Yeah. It's crazy. It yeah. is crazy. And again, I think people just don't even realize, you know? Yeah. Um, okay. So you now help other owners. I do. Yeah. So what do you think is their biggest struggle? Like, do they hear some of the things you do and they're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't know if I could do that. Like, what? where is the biggest roadblock for them?
1: Yeah, I think it's interesting when I do my calls, I actually can see like the first half of the call, they're like soaking it up, you know, and yes, 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 that sounds great. They're taking all the notes. And then I literally see a shift where it's they stop thinking about all the excitement and they start kind of applying it to their own business and they start already talking themselves into the reasons that it won't work. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think a lot of times it's just that the change gets uncomfortable and people start feeling the, uncomf- you know, the discomfort that they automatically start backing out. And I think that they worry about repercussions from their own team, that if I go in and change, it's going to piss everyone off and they're going to leave me. Um, and my advice to that usually is advice that was given to me from one of my mentors, which was um, you have to manage the past while you grow the future. So if you've brought these people in, you know, with a certain set of expectations, you can leave them there as you bring in new people with your new set of expectations versus just running everybody off because they don't like the changes.
0: Right. Well, did you get a lot of pushback when you started making changes?
1: In my own salon? Mm -hmm. I lost an employee, you know, I lost a very, so I had four people, three of them at the time were the ones that had the life changes. And then that fourth one kind of, she gave me an ultimatum and, you know, I could have, switched it to keep her because she was one of my heavy hitters in the salon and um i didn't because i was like one i cannot set the tone that that type of behavior is going to be okay in my leadership and two this person then has the potential to go tell the rest of the team well i did that i changed that you know and start spreading that toxicity so when it came down to her saying basically i won't work for someone who makes this change I was like, well, I accept your resignation. And she was stunned, you know, and then of course she backpedaled and it was right. just a, a road at that point until we let, we had to let her go. But.
0: Well, it's almost a manipulation thing, right? Yeah. You know? I mean, at the end of the day, you are the owner. Yeah. I remember when I left my commission salon to go independent and I remember, you know, all the reasons I left, right? For me, it was a culture thing. Um, Mm -hmm. The owners just kind of stopped being present. Like it was a great salon. And then a couple of years later, it was great. So they could walk away and they were never there. It was a whole thing. Mm -hmm. And I remember being in my suite and thinking, I get it now. Like I get it. Like I get why I was paying this commission, why I was doing, like they covered this, they did this. Now I have to do all these things that you kind of go in knowing you have to do, but you don't really know, you know? Yeah. And yeah. it's, I mean, I never had an employee. I can, I will not ever say that I know what it's like to be a salon owner at, in any capacity, but even just having that little suite by myself, I understood why they made the decisions they made to a certain extent. I still would yeah. should have been present, but <laughs> like, and it's just interesting because as a commission stylist, you really don't understand, right? Like, You kind of again, you go into this business thinking there's all this flexibility. And it's like, then you have, you know, an owner telling you in your mind, telling you what to do, but it is for the benefit of yourself most of the time. The style, you know, for sure. It's like a child. You sometimes just don't see it until you get older, grow up. (laughs)
1: I always say that. I'm like, owning a business is like your marriage. You know, you're married to making that work. And then the staff are all the children. And I hesitate saying that sometimes because they're not children. I know you. Yeah. But you have to love them each differently because, you know, just like you have different learning styles, I always say you've got the different love languages and the Enneagrams and all the different personality types. And each one does need something different. Each one is motivated by something different. Mm -hmm. Um, So you have to know what works for one can't work for the other while keeping with your core values and policies within your business. And my staff just know my rule is if I can't say it to every single one of you, then I can't say it to you. So even though right now in this situation, I'm looking at you and my heart is hurting and the emotion is there, I could not do this if all of you were standing here asking for it. And a lot of times that answer for them is really acceptable. Like they're like, I get that, you know, versus me just being like, no, that's not gonna work. Um, and so, but you're right. It is definitely like managing little children and you know, that they're going to grow up and go away one day too. So that's another thing I see with owners that they hold on to their stylist as if they're theirs. And I'm like, you know, just like my son, he's going to school and then he's going to, you know, graduate and he's going to go to college and then he's going to get a career. I kind of see my staff that way. And I want them to know that I support them because I did the same thing. I worked in salons. I went solo. I opened my own salon and now I'm doing this. And, you know, I want them to know that I want all of that for them too, even if it means they're not with me, you know? Right. right.
0: You want to see them spread their wings. Yes. Yes. So we talked briefly before we started recording about imposter syndrome and kind of going into, actually, I'm going to ask you about imposter syndrome in both cases in owning a salon, because I'm assuming you probably went through it at the beginning, correct? Yeah. I think you still do, you know, you question yourself constantly because I have
1: expectations of my team and it's twofold for me right now is one, I don't want them to ever think that I have a different set of standards for me than I do for them, that I hold myself to that same level. And now that I've started doing the coaching, when I post, you know, information that I use to run my salon, my salon's not perfect. And I don't ever want to claim that it is, you know, the systems are there and the systems work, but daily there's something that throws us for a loop. And I have to be very careful that the advice that I'm giving to other people, if my staff read it, they can say, yes, that's true. Kelly does that. That's genuine. You know, I may not be perfect at it, but I do try to, you know, live by my own standards.
0: Well, I think at the end of the day with coaching, and, and I find the same thing, is people, yes, they want direction and a plan, but they also want relatability. Mm-hmm. you know they want to know that that okay like this is hard for everyone you know they go through the same feelings or because especially nowadays and I talk about this all the time with social media is there's just this perception of everyone's doing amazing right yeah. And yes people are probably doing great but that doesn't mean that there isn't tears and and hard you know spots and imposter syndrome and you know just feeling like you don't belong in the space when yeah. when everyone belongs you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, I think that's awesome. It's, it's hard with social. It is. Yeah. Because there is always going to be somebody who, I don't know, maybe had a situation with you or sees you in a different light. That's going to be like, whatever. Like, you know, but yeah. you kind of, you kind of have to say, you know, it doesn't matter what they, what anyone thinks at the end of yeah, the day. right? Yeah, it's true. And there's things that I do that I, sometimes I'm like,
1: Oh my gosh, that's silly. I can see people making fun of me for that. Or especially it's the ones that are the closest to you that you worry about. But then I also think like when I see the same thing pop up, I love seeing when other people do it. I love watching them. I love see, you know, even if it's someone that I know or I don't know. So it's just funny how we hold ourselves sometimes to a different perception than we do everyone else.
0: Right. It's so true. Well, and again, like, you know talking about like family or friends like seeing something and thinking oh why is she posting that like they're not who you're talking to anyway that's true you know what i mean that's what i always tell myself like if my mom doesn't like this today who cares i don't want her to hire me anyway <laughs> like you know <laughs> which is well, fun also kind of
1: funny. I was thinking, you know some of my friends and I'm like, I, I can just see the little teasing and they would be playful and fun, but you know you can see it and sometimes I'm gonna be like, that's fine because I'm laughing it to the bank. So yeah.
0: you know so my friends and I always joke about being an influencer. like that's like our big joke is like, oh hold on, take a picture of me with this beer like you know it's like because it is funny, you know it's just it's and it's a culture that isn't going away anytime soon. Yeah. You know, so do you push your stylist to be present on social media? Like is that part of your Yeah. I
1: don't push them because you know it's kind of going back to how each kid is a little bit different. You know, I have a, a stylist in my salon who runs Instagram like a full-time job and it pays off for her. Um, I have others that, you know, they're moms, they're busy, they they already have a strong clientele. So um, obviously you always want to bring in new guests, but she's not in a position where she's got big gaping holes and she's, she's happy where she's at. So, um, they all do post work that they're proud of just simply because they're proud of it, you know? Um, but not, not all of them run it like a full-time job and, and I'm okay with that. I want them to, they you know, I want them to look at it as also their business and, um, have a little bit of that freedom in it, even though they're in a commission salon.
0: Well, I think that's good too, because when social media kind of first started becoming a thing in the, in the salon industry, like I know sty- or owners would actually get upset if people would post things under mm-hmm. their own name and not tag the salon or not, you know, and feeling yeah. like they were trying to build something outside of the salon, which was really, it's interesting to think about now. And I wonder if there's still some like people out there that feel that way, you know, like oh, there- I've heard it. Yeah,
1: for sure. Really? salon. that they they can't post anything on, you know, their own personal social media. Yeah. I hear that all the time.
0: What do you think that is? Do you think that's just um, scarcity mindset?
1: I do. Yeah. I think it's kind of a very like finite mindset as well, where they just feel like what they have is what they need to protect. But one thing that I say all the time is that, you know, We're dealing with people. We're in a customer service industry. And, you know, we don't own them. The stylists don't own them. We don't own them. And I feel like if you always do things with integrity, it's always going to work out for you. So if someone calls and wants to know where a stylist goes, you know, first thing I'm going to say, well, we'd love to get you in. You know, we've got so and so available. But if they push it, it's like they have a right to know. They're a person. You know, I make changes in my own life. And, We don't own them. So I think it's really, in my opinion, to try to hold on to clients like that, kind of an ugly, an ugly, an ugly business, you know?
0: It's almost impossible today anyway. Yeah. You know, it's like one quick search and it's like, oh, there they are. Yeah. (laughs) So um, let's talk about coaching. When did you decide that you wanted to start helping owners?
1: Yeah, it's been a couple of years um, that it all kind of started. I put my you know toes in the water, and for personal reasons, I kind of backed out, and then I put it aside for a little while, and then I came back to it. Um, but I was teaching for other companies. You know, a lot of times I was doing color. Um, you know, on their curriculum, it'd be about an hour and a half of teaching, and I was required to do this Q and A, and it would always come back to questions about my business and my salon. And eventually, I was like, you know. I people want this and people need this. And there were a lot of salons that I walked into where I never found that one that actually inspired me. And I don't mean that in a bad way, but it was just, there's a lot of people out there who are really good hairstylists that think the only natural jump is to own their own salon and they just don't know what they're doing. Um, So I think, you know, just finding myself in these conversations over and over and over again made me think I could really put a packaged program together. So two years ago I started writing a book and, um, that's almost, almost at completion. We're just in kind of those publishing design phases now.
0: That's exciting. Yeah. Do you have I'm a very- name or is this a secret?
1: <laughs> no, it has a name. It's scissors makes sense. Um, awesome. and you know, the Instagram and all that change to match that. So, yeah. And oh, it's awesome. just a really neat guide on how to break down the steps and building the systems in your business so that you can, you know, not be hostage to it.
0: How hard is it to write a book?
1: very <laughs> you, ha- <laughs> you, you hired- have somebody help you I'm assuming like right like yeah, yeah. so you know I've hired a, a writer editor you know all of that and um, basically what we did was I said I have a story to tell but I'm not a professional writer so basically you know she would have me jot it all down then she'd come up with 50 questions on every single topic that I would have to answer and then we would sit and do interviews so that she could hear my voice because I wanted it to sound like I was talking to people. Um, and it's kind of a fun read cause it's a business guide, but it also includes a lot of stories that hairstylists in general are going to really relate to, um, Great, you know, cool. what I've been through as an
0: owner. Right. Oh, that's really awesome. Wait a minute. So you're a, <laughs> you're a salon owner, a stylist, a book writer, and a coach and a mom. <laughs> We're working on all that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So where do you, do you feel like you have flow in your life or do you feel a little hot mess sometimes?
1: Most of the time, flow because I am very regimented. Um, but I would, I, I would say the core of the day is, you know, it's got a nice flow, and then the hot mess just kind of borders it, you know. So there is always a little hot mess in there.
0: <laughs> well, being regimented, I mean, you can't plan what's going to happen, right? Yeah. Like you can try, but you yeah.
1: Can't.
0: <laughs> like, so what has helped you with that? Like, are you 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 do systems? That's your thing, right? In the salon. Yeah. I'm assuming in your life, like, yeah. is, talk to me about that in your life because you have mm-hmm. all of these balls that you're juggling. So, um, is it like a scheduling? This time is for this. This time is for that. Like, tell me a little bit about your daily routine.
1: Yeah, that's pretty much what I do. I have two. You know, I keep the my general calendar on my iPhone you know everything goes into it and then on Sundays I sit down and really just map out the week and everything that I have to do and then every night or every morning I have a daily that goes literally minute by minute and I start off with my biggest chunk which is work right going to the salon and then from everything that I need to get do, done in that day, I work backwards off of it. And that's what time I wake up. And I include, like, I know it's going to take me an hour to get ready. I know it's going to take me 30 minutes to get to work. I know that, you know, all of those little things, I break it down minute by minute um, so that I can accomplish everything that needs to get done.
0: Yeah, it's funny because now that I'm working from home full time, I used to not do that, right? Like like mm-hmm. I had like, I had my routines, but I didn't need to write them down. Um, now the routine can easily get messed up by me wanting to go for a walk or like d- doing a dance party in my living room too long. Cause that's been my new thing in the morning. It puts you in a great mood by the way. Um, <laughs> but now it's like, I actually just this week on my calendar, I've marked lunch. I've marked, you know, pick up Declan from the bus stop. Like, and I never did that before, but it's mm-hmm. like, now it's more important than ever to just kind of really know what your day is going to look like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, sure. it can get off track so easy. Time.
1: Yeah, for me, it keeps me on time, you know, because if I have meetings or appointments or this, that outside of that, you know, I expect my clients to be on time. So it would be rude for me to not be on time. And I think just my humble opinion that when you're late, you know, consistently late, not emergency late. Um, I think it's rude, you know, so it's important to me that even down to the minute that I'm driving or, you know, I will even put in 30 minutes to like enjoy my coffee and do my morning scrolling or reading or whatever it is. Yep. Yep. You know, I add it all on there and some days I can wake up at eight and get it all done. And other days I'm backing up to like four 45, five o'clock if I want to get everything done that I want to get done.
0: Yeah. I think it's super important. Now mm-hmm. you are in high powered Academy. Yes. Um, so do you implement a lot of mindset stuff? Like, are you a little woo woo or no?
1: I'm a little woo woo. I think I always have been, um, maybe not to, you know, that uh, to an extreme, but I've always been like, you know, everything's about how you react to it. Um, you know, I try to get up every day. One of the things that I say around my house is like, have the best day ever, um, and just start that day off like that. Um, and I think, I think it works. I think it's important that, if you're just kind of, you know, solution oriented all the time and positive, then most things aren't so bad. And a lot of times people will say, whenever I've had something thrown at me, like, I, I'm sorry you had such a bad day. I'm like, I didn't have a bad day. I'm like, I had 15 minutes of a little situation I had to deal with and it wasn't fun, but really the day wasn't bad, you know? Right. Um, whereas I think some people just choose to let one thing ruin the whole day.
0: And constantly think about it. And yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm new woo woo. <laughs> I like to say I'm a realistic woo woo. Cause like, I agree with that. yeah, like certain wording for things. I'm like, well, that's, d- that's dumb. That's
1: d- yeah. <laughs> like, woman like woman <laughs>
0: yeah, like even manifesting. Okay. So to me, it's like, all right, well, I want to manifest this. Well, what does that really mean? It means you're constantly thinking about it so that every decision you make puts you closer to that thing. Yes. You know, and it's like, but people hear that and they're like, oh, I just think I want to have more money. And then more money shows up in my account. And it's like, well, no, like there's action behind it. Like, right. <laughs> so it's been, it's been interesting because, um, you know, Elizabeth Faye, our business coach, uh, is she's gotten more woo woo over the years. Uh-huh. And it's like, I'm like, okay, like, okay. Like I have some crystals sitting over there Mm -hmm. I don't rub them. I don't know what any of them are, (laughs) like, but they make me smile. Like, pretty, (laughs) yeah. But the mindset thing goes a long way. So, um, getting into coaching, that was a the one thing I didn't expect. Yeah, was the mindset. Yeah, it really fucked with me really Mm -hmm. badly. Like bad. Like nobody's listening to me. Does anyone care? Um, and. It's funny because I'm still in the first six months of this journey, but my mindset has shifted so much and I'm just so excited for the future where at the beginning it was like this, like, what am I doing? Does anyone care? Why am I doing this kind of thing? Yeah. And the mindset shift is amazing because you start seeing people show up for you, correct? Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, wait, you believe in yourself? Well, I believe in you too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about that for a second with stylists because I'm mm-hmm. sure you see this getting in maybe new. Do you take newer stylists or you? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, I know when I first started out, I didn't want new clients. I was terrified. It was mm-hmm. scary. Who am I to touch their hair? What if I ruin their day? You know, how do you kind of, do you try and implement mindset into new stylists. Yeah.
1: And and I think I I resonate a lot with you saying you're kind of a realist woo woo, because that is exactly what I would say. So I'm not like, you know, just all the way one sided. But if I'm working with someone and you can just see that level of doubt, it's more for me like this woo woo encouragement where I'm like, you don't know what you don't know, you know, and so you're not stupid you haven't messed up you haven't you know it's nothing that can't be fixed the person in your chair knows that they're here with a new stylist right they've they've chosen that they're okay with that and i kind of go down that where it's just this encouraging of like if you think that i started off where i am now you know when where you're at you're wrong i gave my mom a haircut one time trying to do a stacked bob and she looked like george washington on the dollar bill. <laughs> 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 oh
0: that's awesome.
1: Yeah, and that, that is true. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't, I didn't end up where I am now. And the thing is, there's a click with a stylist too. So it's like, I had had all this training, 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 you know, where I knew all the terms and all the words and all the whys on why I was doing what I was doing. But there was never just that click where I was like, oh, oh, that's why I do all those things, you know, and you can't teach that for someone. Someone could have that click in a year and someone could have that in five know six seven years, um, which was me. I was later. I could do a haircut because someone had walked me through it. And I was I was doing it like a recipe. Mm -hmm. You know, but it wasn't until I had that shift that I was like, oh now I get it. And once you do, that's when you can really become a creative artist with it, you know? And it takes time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um formulation was the one for me that like I could take a million classes. But until I like played with various, like did it myself on hair, you know, and made yeah. mistakes and learned from those mistakes, that's when I would really understand. Um, and I think that that, I mean, I love the amount of classes that there are out there these days, do not get yeah. me wrong. But I think at the end of the day in our industry, it's, it's just kind of learning as you go, right? Like yeah. you, no matter what it is, whether it's customer service. Because that is another one that can be difficult, you know. So yeah. you have to have hard conversations with clients, um, or if it's a haircut or or color formulation, like you know. And it's okay to be a beginner. Yes. I well, think. and also I tell
1: my staff because seasoned stylists, you know, I have done things even in my like last year where I'm like, why did I do it like that? Oh my gosh, right? that. Thank God that turned out because where was my brain while I was coming up with that plan? You know, right? I've had times when I'm like, you know, this just isn't what I, this isn't what my goal was. I'm going to have you come back because I, I can't send you out of here. And the client's like, it looks great, and I'm like, no, it doesn't. So I also let them know, like, even you know, me being someone who's been in it for twenty plus years. I still make mistakes, you know, I still mess it up. Sometimes I still have something else on my brain that made me not think as sharp as I should have. Um, and I think when you're willing to like relate to them like that and say, like, I, I mess up too, it helps them find that ease in what they're doing.
0: Again, it all comes down to relatability, right? Yeah. 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 I, I think, um, I think it's interesting because nobody wants to mess up in anything. No. You know, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to quote unquote fail, but you know, you always learn from it. And I think that's where the mindset comes in. Yeah. You know, looking I at think. it and going, okay, like next time I know I'm going to do this different. And then you just kind of move on and don't let yeah. it paralyze you. Tell me what your biggest mistake was as an owner. Oh my gosh. Like we, <laughs> we need a bottle of
1: wine and a whole, um, Oh gosh. Biggest mistake? Um, I don't know how personal we want to get. I, I hired my husband, now ex husband. That was quite a mistake. Oh, so, no. <laughs> um, yeah. He um, said be vulnerable. That one got me in a lot of trouble.
0: Yeah. But,
1: um, you know, it's hard to even say biggest mistake because I just think along the way you have these little things that just don't work. And so then you adjust and you make them work. So I don't know if I have anything where I'm like, this was big. This was massive other than the the husband failure. But um, yeah, you just make little mistakes along the way and say, okay, that didn't work. And then you adapt to it and, and move on.
0: Right. Nothing to dwell on. Yeah. Would you say that's what makes an owner successful in a salon?
1: I think so. Yeah, I'm trying really hard to not be reactive, to try to keep your emotion out of it. And one of my sayings I say all the time in coaching and to my team is separating out your pet peeves from your issues. You know, the first feeling I have over something, I first will check myself and be like, Kelly, is this your own issue? Or is this something that truly is going to impact the business in a a bad way? And nine times out of 10, it's my own issue. You know, it's something that I'm like, just stop being petty and move on from this.
0: Right. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So yeah. kind of micromanaging or lack of yeah. micromanaging.
1: Yes. Yeah. So
0: what would one of those things be?
1: What one of what things?
0: Like like what would like if I was your stylist and I did something that kind of got under your skin, but it really doesn't impact the business, what what would something what would that be?
1: Just little things. You know, there's things like around the salon where I'm like, hey, keep like the 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 employee area doors, like where we mix our color and where our staff room and things like that, like keep those doors shut. It's kind of like, once you know, the magic of the underground of Disney, it ruins the experience, you know, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So, but it'll be that where I walk through and it's like, I've owned the salon for 12 years. So for 12 years, I've been saying, please shut those doors, please keep those doors shut. But you know, it's just, I just, if I see one open, I just pull it shut. And then that's something that may be a gentle reminder in a staff meeting, but I'm not going to say something every day, you know, like shut the door, shut the door, leaving a water bottle laying around. I'll just pick it up and take it back to their little cubby. And you know, those types of things where some people can get really bent out of shape because it's my salon and you play by my rules. And I just, I don't know. I don't run my business that way.
0: I think that's smart because nobody really wants to be micromanaged either, you know? Yeah. And some people just don't think about it. Like, I worked next to a girl who was extremely clean and I'm, I'm clean. I don't fling color all over the place, but like I never paid attention to the baseboards, Mm -hmm. you know, like I, when I swept, I never swept the baseboards, but she would like always sweep the baseboards. And it was funny because she would talk about it all the time. And I would just be like, Oh, like I never thought about it, you know? And I think it's little things like that. Um, She taught me to sit in the chair and look around. And I thought that was big because I had never thought of that. I forgot the client sees a different view. Yeah. And you do see the baseboards when you're sitting in the chair. (laughs) Just the FYI. (laughs) Yeah. No, I think that's good. I think that's good because it's the little things that micromanaging in general, I think that can get people, stylists especially, can get real annoyed with owners. Yeah. And you're right. It's not always a make or break situation.
1: Yeah, I keep a little notepad on my phone for each of my team members and even things like lateness, you know, not that they're like so late, they're making clients wait, but late for our 15 to 20 minute early check in. Um, I, you know, during the month, I won't say anything at all. I'll just kind of put like late on this day and then I'll see if it adds up. And then once a month, we sit down and do just a one on one, it takes 15 minutes. um, And they really like them. And it's it starts off with them getting to talk. So it's do you have anything for me? What's bothering you, concerning you? And then, you know, I'll go over most of the time there's nothing because I have such a good team, but you know we'll go over things like well i noticed this month you were late like three or four times so i just want to bring that to your attention but that way it doesn't mess up their day-to-day because that's i've worked in environments where you just never knew which owner you were going to get that day you never knew what you were going to walk into and i don't want that for my team i want them to know who kelly is at all times and that they can come to me with anything and that i'm not going to be reactive and, and again i don't get that perfect all the time but i really strive for it um, and I just, you know, try to just put it all to the blackboard for the month until I can sit down with them. Um, you know, my little joke that I say in the book is like, unless they show up drunk and pantless, then you've got to let them go. <laughs> and the reason I say that is because that happened. I did <gasps> have an show up one time drunk and pantless. <laughs> wait, what do you, wait, like no pants? <laughs> no pants. No, Hi. just an oversized t-shirt that that she had likely slept in.
0: Oh no. Does she even
1: remember? I think so. Yeah. I mean, I actually felt really bad for this girl, but it was one of those things like, yeah, that can't wait for a sit down. That's gotta be taken care of right now.
0: Oh my gosh. Was she young? (laughs) Yes. So my first, uh, I guess my first, like I'm going to embarrass myself right now. My first probably six years I started, I went to hair school in high school. So I had my um, license at 18 And, you know, I had a really good time in my early 20s. (laughs) And I remember numerous times that I would um, have to go and throw up in the back, like Mm -hmm. in the alley, in between processing times, because I was so hungover. I don't know if my boss ever knew that was happening. I'm sure they did. (laughs) But I appreciate the fact that, you know, they never um, fired me for it. (laughs) Because I was young. (laughs) You know, yeah. <laughs> shoot, now I can't even have a glass of wine and then go to work. <laughs> like... <All right. laughs> oh man, that's a good one though. No pants, huh? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Um. Okay. So tell people where they can find you if they're interested in coaching.
1: Yeah. So right now I'm doing most of my um, little personal marketing through Instagram. Um, We're building the website now, which um, should be, be an easy direct to from Instagram, but most of what I'm doing is there, and then people can just message me. You know, a lot of times it starts just with a conversation, which I love. Um, and if it feels like we could be more in depth, then I'll invite them to a one on one call.
0: Do you do all your coaching one on one, or do you have um, courses?
1: So the courses are what's in the works right now. So there'll be the book with like a 12 week is what I'm looking at coaching um, program that goes through breaking down all the systems in the book. Um, And then that will also offer one-on-one, but currently I'm just working one-on-one with people.
0: And is this for somebody who wants to be a salon owner or somebody who is already a salon owner or both?
1: Both for sure. I think even, you know, I've even had other um, industries reach out. I have a girl who does, Um, refinished furniture. I've got a realtor, I've got a lash girl. So it's been interesting. I think it's really just kind of basic foundation principles that can be applied to anything. But uh, specifically my story would be for hairstylists, um, you know, want to be salon owners or salon owners who are struggling.
0: Awesome. Awesome. And your Instagram is scissors make sense, correct? Yeah. I love it. Sense like money. Yes, (laughs) Yes,
1: it's <laughs> about your scissors.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, Kelly, thank you so, so much. Thank you. To these days and we'll do lunch. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> Have a good one. Thank you. You too. Once again, thank you so much for listening to Backroom Beauty Talks. This podcast would not even be possible if it wasn't for you, the listener. If you enjoyed it, please share it with a friend. Feel free to leave a review if you feel so inclined or post it on the gram. Appreciate you so much. I know I say it every episode, but I cannot, cannot thank you enough for all of the support. And again, I will talk with you on the next one.